Hi, I'm Linda. And I'm Craig. And this is the Indie Travel Podcast at IndieTravelPodcast.com. It's episode 251, and today we're continuing our Indie Rail adventure, uh, passing on from Porto and going on to Lisbon and Faro in Portugal. That's right. The Indie Rail adventure continues. We've, we started in Porto, went north. This time we're talking about Lisbon and Faro, and at the moment we're actually in Berlin, and we're having a really good time. But you'll have to wait until next week to hear about that. <laughs> yes, you will. I want to say thanks to our Indie Rail sponsors who are helping us uh, go through this two and a half month rail journey of Western Europe. The first one is acprail.com who have supplied us with a couple of URL passes to help us get around the place, uh, 15 days over two months, and uh, that means we can kind of move about every five days, which is quite a good time when you're city hopping. Yeah, it is. I was looking into interrail passes and they're a lot less flexible. You can either travel every day or there's a little bit of flexibility. I think it's something like 10 days within within 21 days or something like that. But with URL passes, we've got lots of flexibility. Very happy about that. Another one of our sponsors is Urban Adventures, who do day trips with locals uh, right around the world. Um, and we did a trip in Lisbon, which we'll be talking about today, and uh, it was delicious. It was delicious. It was a food and photo tour. Mm, food, maybe not so much, but yes, we'll talk about that soon. And we're also sponsored by Drome, which gives us internet access wherever we are which is great it's a little device which we can connect to with our smartphones and have internet on the go so thanks to drone yeah unlike most uh mobile internet companies when you cross borders with drone the fee stays the same so it's a flat fee for all of your data no matter what country you're in and uh, that certainly makes life a lot easier when you're traveling through a place like europe and crossing a border every second week yeah i mean when we're in in spain for example we've got our own uh, sim card and we can just buy a data plan but yeah i mean in the last week we've been in two or three countries and it's just impossible yeah buying a new sim card every time would add up really quickly well let's go on and talk about lisbon you might remember that uh when we last left you we had returned to porto after uh touring around the north places like Guimarães, braga um viana and now um yeah, continuing down by bus from Porto to Lisbon. Yes, this is called Indie Rail, but for some reason we thought it would be a good idea to catch a bus from Porto to Lisbon, mostly because it was a lot cheaper. So we headed to the bus station in Porto, bought our tickets, and we just went up to the 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 window, asked for tickets. He said no, and we said yes. What we didn't realise was that it was one o two, and he'd given us tickets for the one o'clock bus. So we kind of had to run out, get on the bus. Our allocated seats were taken, so we just went to the back of the bus and took two seats together between a Portuguese couple and a a single guy. And uh, this turned out to be a problem later on because when we had the the one and only stop, uh, someone else got on the bus while the Portuguese couple were off. And it turned out that the the bus had been overbooked. So we had a small adventure there. Yeah, but uh, like everything when you're traveling, this stuff comes up and you just deal with it. We dealt with it by smiling nicely and staying seated. <laughs> <laughs> well, we kind of I stood up and made to move, but the Portuguese guy kind of waved me down and he went to sit at the front and someone moved their baby. It was very complicated, but it all worked out. And even better, we made it to Lisbon. Yes, indeed. And we made it there on time, which was good because on time meant about two hours before our <laughs> evening tour started. 
And at that point, the only thing we knew was that uh, the tour started in a square called, um, it looked like restaurant restauradores to me. Restauradores. <laughs> so it's like, hard. we have to go to the restaurant square. Um, yeah. And we didn't have a map. We didn't really know where we were going and we had no accommodation booked. Um, so it was typical indie travel podcast style. It was terrible. We, have, we had couch surfing organized for the next day, but he couldn't host us on the day we arrived because he already had people there and it was fine. So we thought we'll just find a, a pension or a hotel or something near Restoradores Square. So we arrived and I had a couple of options, but we couldn't find the street that we needed and we knocked on a few doors and then we headed to one one guest house that was in neighboring Rocio Square. And the entranceway wasn't very promising. It was all graffitied and, oh man, it just didn't look very good. But we went up a couple of flights of stairs and there was another door which was buzzed open for us. And we entered this really lovely reception area with a very friendly kind of John Cleese-esque uh, host. Yeah, <laughs> he just had that slight twinge about him that reminded me a bit too much of Basil Fawlty from Fawlty Towers. And he only had one room left saying well i've only got one room left and we said that's that's fine yeah i we... i actually was thinking about renting three or four of them <laughs> just so we could spread our stuff around but... well i was very keen on just having one room he said but for only one night and we're like we wanted just for one night he said, just one night just one night and that since that was what we wanted it worked out <laughs> quite well so we even had time for a shower before heading out the door and we arrived at the it was in restoradores right we arrived at the monument in restoradores right on time it was brilliant. <laughs> and the food and photo tour that Urban Adventures does was really good. I mean, the first, uh, first of all, we got a bit of a, a history of the square and how that tied into Lisbon. And we went for a bit of a walk um, past some restaurants where the guide pointed out the ones to avoid and the ones he liked um, into a little kind of half hidden locals bar that uh-huh. was, right, was right on the tourist street. But it didn't have like a, an outside terrace, yeah. um, and there wasn't someone standing outside trying to trying to push oh you goodness. in. So right in the middle of all of the the craziness of a pedestrianized tourist street mm-hmm. in Europe, there's this little bar just just through the magnificent Moorish um, kind of waiting room, um, and it was really cool. But we didn't stop there for a drink. Instead, we continued out and uh, back onto the street where we got to try ginginia for the first time. Yeah, and ginginia was brilliant. It's a liquor made from sour cherries, not real, not cherries as we know it, but sour cherries. And it was created by a former monk after all of the religious orders were decommissioned, and I think it was in 1837. Um, so he made a new life for himself by making this liquor, and it's still being sold in the same spot today. And it's very, very tasty. It is. And uh, we tried it a time or two more uh, while we were uh, still in Lisbon. So it, it certainly hit the trick. And there's no better way to start a tour than with a 40% shot of 40% alcohol. <laughs> yeah. So that, that was good. That put everyone in a good mood. And uh, we continued around going to different, uh, different bars, uh, different restaurants until we finished up with uh, a night of fado. Yeah, and that was absolutely brilliant. We'd, we'd stop for cod cakes, we'd stop for a beer, and then we got so much into conversation that the guide actually lost track of time and looked at, the, looked at his watch and said, oh my goodness, we need to run! Because we were going to this little fado bar, and it's tiny, it's the size of someone's living room, with two small rooms, and they'd reserved a table for us. And since there were 11 people on our tour, 
that's quite a big table. Yeah, especially since there was people like out the door waiting and there was not a seat to be had inside uh, when we arrived except for the benches that were mm. set aside for us. I'd say there was only space for, for maybe 40 people to sit down and we had the best seats in the house. Really, really great because um, the Fado players, there were two guys playing the guitar and a singer who stood. The two guitar players were sitting right next to us. They were just sitting on regular benches just like us and there were three or four singers. The first guy was the owner of the of the restaurant. The next guy was really good. I liked him a lot because he got everyone singing just a really simple la la la. Uh, the, the owner came back on and he got the barmaid singing as well. That was great. And then the last guy was, was really good as well. Yeah. And so we bailed at about midnight, but um, from what I understood, they just kept going until they got bored until two or three in the morning. Um, but after a, a long bus ride, I was not up for that. So yeah, we, we really enjoyed the food and fada tour. Definitely recommend it. And then the next day we were up and uh, we had arranged to meet our couch surfing host sometime during that day. <laughs> um, typical indie travel podcast planning. So we left our bags in the, uh, in the hotel we were staying at and just went out for a bit of a wander. Thought we'd go and explore and, and see what we could see. Yeah, we didn't really see all that much actually. We, we explored a couple of the squares, had lunch and then kind of stopped in a cafe and, and worked. Really fun. <laughs> but then um, in the evening we met our couch surfing host and he picked us up from a really nice square I can't remember what it was called, do you remember what it's called? Yeah, it was Martin Monez Square um, so it's just a little bit back from uh, Restoradores and Rocio which are kind of on the main tourist drag mm-hmm. and it had yeah much more of a, a local feel there was a DJ station set up there were um, pavilions with old couches and old lounges there and if you bought a drink from one of the stands you could sit in a leather chair mm-hmm. outside in the middle of the square and there were five or six there were, fountains. yeah lots of water features it was awesome yeah it was a really uh really fun square so we sat there for a while and then uh went back to our couch surfer's place and he took us down to a little uh restaurant just at the bottom of his apartment block yeah he said oh there's this place we could go for dinner it's you know, it's quite cheap and it's not that great, but you know, what, you, what can you expect? And so we went down there and it was cheap and the food was really good. Yeah, I mean, very, very simple, but fresh and perfectly cooked and so tasty. And there were only five or six tables and they were always full of people. Yeah, there were often people waiting. always people waiting. So we had, um, yeah, three main courses each, several glasses of wine, a beer, a round of coffees. And the whole thing came to about 13 or 14 15, euros. 15 euros, yeah. Um, it was... It was mad. It was ridiculous. <laughs> um, so that was great. And just goes to show, if you know where to look, then uh, Portugal can really be a, uh, a budget traveler's dream. Definitely. And that's something we've definitely realized about Portugal. Um, when people are trying to save money in Europe, most people head head east. And that's a really valid way to do it, but... Dropping into uh, the the less touristy bits of Spain, um, up in the north, and, and then also down into Portugal, um, life can be really cheap there as well. Yeah, the only problem is it's quite expensive to travel across Spain. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's where you get bit. Well, on the next day, we met up with some people we'd met at TBU. In fact, it was quite a funny, funny situation because Craig had been emailing back and forth with Paul, who'd said that he was going to go on a, another walking tour. And we got a message at what, like 20 past 10 to say that, that the tour started at 11. So we <laughs> yeah. needed to run out the door in order to meet them. 
And of course, we just missed, missed the train and uh, adventures again. <laughs> so we showed up in Rocio Square 10 minutes late, but luckily the tour guide waited for us. Yeah, and this was, a, I think she had just finished all her, her introduction, giving us all of the kind of historical background and everything like that. So we showed up and just pitched on. So this was a free walking tour put on by Pancho Tours, uh, free in that you're expected to give a reasonable tip to your guide at the end of it. And uh, it was it was good. I really it was enjoyed it. kind of very different to the tour we did the other day, a much more traditional kind of here is the site, this is why it's important, this is the street, this is why it's important kind of thing. The guy was really good at telling stories and mm. keeping us interested in the history of, of, this, of the town, which I found really interesting. Yeah, and she gets bonus points for dropping us off outside a uh, place called Vini Porto. No, Vini Portugal. Vini Portugal. Vini Portugal, which uh, gives you free wine tastings. Yeah, so, so we had to wait around for about 20 minutes and then we got three tastes of wine. It was great. Yeah, definite bonus points for that. And that's down in the, the Plaza Comercio, which is seems to just be... It's one of the biggest plazas in Europe. It's got a beautiful uh, statue in the middle, a beautiful gate leading into the main square. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, a main walkway, which leads up to Rocio Square, then onto Restoradores, and yeah, the Avenida de Libertadche. Off on and, its own. There's not really much uh, happening there. Yeah, but it's surrounded by museums that are really aimed at tourists. Yeah. Um, there's... That uh, wine tasting area, there's a, a beer museum, um, I think there was an erotic museum, there was a design <laughs> museum. So it's just this huge empty square with, you know, panhandlers and touts strolling around offering you all sorts of things. And then around the outside, just these kind of strange speciality museums. So it's kind of a weird place to be. Mm. So after our wine tasting, we headed off to find lunch for about four euros. And then we managed to convince Paul and Angie to come with us out to Belém to try the famous pastéis de Belém. And they were so good. Yeah, so these are little, I guess, kind of semi-burnt custard cakes <laughs> might be the, the best way to describe them. And you'll see them everywhere in Portugal. But this place um, in Belém, um, the, the bakery that does them is simply called um, Pastéis de Belém. And what they serve is just called the pasties de Belém. That's right. They and, serve other um, things as well. And you can sit and have a coffee and, and a snack. Yeah. But if, if you like to be in the middle of a zoo, yeah. there's a, a line out the door. The place is heaving with people all the time. And for a lot of uh, tourists that are just there for a short time, the only reason they make the 20 to 30 minute drive out from the center of Lisbon out to the suburb of Belém is just to eat these things. And that's what we did. So <laughs> it's really something unusually special. Mm. So we, we bought them. They cost one euro and five cents each. And then we went across the road to a park. It was very pleasant. The um, There were a whole bunch of teenagers trying to sell subscriptions to the SPCA, or the yeah. equivalent. And uh, we managed to avoid them and sit down and really just bite into these delicious soft but the crispy nice pastry on the outside oh, they were warm <laughs> apparently they don't sell them if they get cold they don't they, they throw them away yeah so they, but they're going through tray after tray after tray yeah these so delicious pastries i was trying to decide is it worth you know traveling for a 45 minute to an hour round trip and standing in a line to pay three times as much for the same thing that you can buy in any bakery it was like maybe 20% more. 
was a reasonable uh, price. No, I've seen them for like 30 cents, oh, really? 35 cents, uh, 40 most cents. Most of the time I saw them for about 60 days. Oh, okay. Oh, well, anyway, two to three times the price <laughs> um, for something you can get anywhere. But you can't and get anywhere. I think the answer is yes. They yeah. really were quite special. It's like a pilgrimage, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, in fact, our couchsurfing host said that some previous couchsurfers had bought him a couple of, of pastéis, but they hadn't been bothered going out to the uh, <laughs> the real ones, and he hadn't eaten them. He said they just weren't as good, there's no point. And then when we showed him just after he made that comment that we'd brought him one back, he almost cried. <laughs> yeah, that's just a touch of melodramatic uh, addition there. I'm sure his eyes started glistening. <laughs> Is that for me? And then he covered it with cinnamon. It was hilarious. Yes. He thinks. I think he has a small addiction. I think he might. Well, Saturday we had been recommended to go and uh, see a flea market, uh, a fire, um, near, very near the area where we were staying. It was just a, a 10 minute walk from, from door to to market and it was a good recommendation mm-hmm. more for the the people watching and just the really odd assortment of stuff that was in the market yeah it was, it was funny. fascinating it was a mix of you know your classical market stalls selling antiques or or clothes or handmade products with a lot a real lot of people with just like a plastic sheet or a regular sheet spread out on the ground with some stuff from their house on it like a car boot sale yeah just like Stuff like a pair of old shoes, uh, <coughs> a board game with the pieces missing, a, yeah, then a, a hard drive case, um, without the hard drive in it, <laughs> maybe a, a pile of screws or bolts, and a couple of children's t shirts, yeah, it was like and, that, and that was their stall. And mm-hmm. it really was much more a flea market than market, mm-hmm. but on such a, a low scale, like I know. Back home in New Zealand, if you're going to go sell off some extra stuff at a flea market, you want you, to have stuff. You, you, you pack in as much stuff into the car as possible so you can sell all day. But there were people that were there with just half a dozen things and, and selling. Yeah. So it was a, a good recommendation and worthwhile if you're uh, going to be there on a Saturday. There's a lot of historical sites nearby as well. Um, some beautiful churches, uh, the National Pantheon, which we returned to the next day. And uh, if the heat isn't too bad, you can also wander around the uh, the area below there, which is called Alfama, which mm-hmm. is an old neighborhood with lots of little narrow pathways and alleyways that you'd never get a car up. But we did see Segways attempting to navigate <laughs> some of them. And uh, while the guide was very proficient at getting around the narrow corners, it was it was quite funny watching some of the, the novice segways <laughs> on the bumpy cobbles Hilarious. going downhill, trying to be brave enough to lean forward and go yeah. around the blind corner. Yeah, it I'm was, not keen on that. <laughs> it was brilliant. It was uh, not quite four-wheel off-road adventure segway, <laughs> but it was, <laughs> it was something close. adventure segway. <laughs> Well, we wandered around for a while, a couple of hours, and then it was just so hot that we, we couldn't do it anymore, so we headed home. And in the afternoon, our couchsurfing host invited us out, and by out it meant to his sister's art gallery exhibition opening in a completely different town. 
which is awesome. <laughs> That's <laughs> yeah. why we love couch surfing. You never get things like that if you're staying in a hotel or a hostel. It was brilliant. That's right. And like all good art, uh, art gallery openings, well, exhibition openings, there was plenty of bottles of wine and <laughs> delicious local snacks. And so, yeah, we had a just a really good idea hanging around, talking with people and, uh, yeah, just meeting people and and that's so special to be able to do that in a foreign city that you've never been to before where you don't have any friends uh to get caught up in something so personal and and so local it was really cool well the next day was sunday and being a sunday it meant that the national pantheon was open and free for us in the mornings so we decided to go to that and it was quite close to our couch surfing house so we we went there And uh, it was really interesting. It's housed in an old church, which is a beautiful building. And it also houses the tombs of some of the most prominent figures in Portuguese history, like the famous uh, fado singer Amalia Rodriguez. It does. And so the building's beautiful for its its own sake. And then, uh, yeah, there's all these tombs and biographies. And as you climb up through the floors, uh, one of them was completely given over to an art exhibition. Yeah, that was awesome. And then going right up the top, the only thing I've done like it was uh, was in Rome. Well, in fact, in Vatican City in St. Paul's Cathedral and going up to the top of the dome and walking around the inside of that, uh, just the the magnitude of, of scale and mm. space and, and symmetry and, and yeah it was great it really was so um a lot of things are free on sunday mornings in lisbon so it's a great time to go out and do all of your gallery hopping yeah we uh, went to the fado museum as well we we saw it we thought oh we'll just go in and turned out it was free on sunday mornings too and we even got a free audio guide it was brilliant yeah most things are free until two o'clock and uh we wandered into that museum at about quarter to two oh, no, <laughs> ten to like, two no, like, it really was, was that <laughs> yeah it really was because i saw them they were changing shifts and one of them looked at their watch and was like yep okay <laughs> in you go um and yeah so that was that was great and then we kind of rounded off the the musical experience by uh finding ourselves at a folklore festival oh yeah and i just don't know how we managed to find these things linda well, it was outside the Pantheon, and we saw it being set up, and we thought, oh, we'll just, we'll just go back to that later. So we asked what time it started, and they said three, so we got back there at about quarter past three. Nothing was happening. We waited for about 45 minutes. Uh, an old woman helped me, because I was trying, what was I trying to do? I don't know, I was trying to eat something, and she like picked up my bag off my lap and held it up to me to help. It was really weird. That's right. No, you had a you had a hair hanging off oh, the end right. of your uh, your pastry and so she was trying to gesticulate and, and get it off for you and <laughs> it was good fun. And yeah. then at one point I was holding a beer in one hand and I had the camera in the other hand and they were just giving these these long and interminable speeches. They were There's introducing like, all of the all of the groups that were going to perform. Uh, and then the representative from all of the groups mm-hmm. and the, the sponsors and the grandfather of a man who once was in a group and, <laughs> and they all got prizes and awards. And, and they hadn't done anything and, yet. And, this is at the beginning. And this is at the beginning. So, you know, everyone's told to arrive uh, before four o'clock for it to start at four and from four to four forty five. There was just this interminable speeches and you get a cup and you get a pot and you get a bunch of flowers and everyone has to clap the whole time. So I was trying to take some photos of 
the performers where they were standing off stage. So I had a beer on one hand, a camera in the other hand, and I was sick to death of clapping. And the woman beside me was like elbowing me, <laughs> going, applaud, applaud. And like making slow hand clap gestures I at me. I had to take the camera off him so that he could at least clap with one hand. It was absolutely hilarious. But yeah, we were right in the middle of it. So we stayed for about three or four performances, but the sound guy wasn't doing his job very well. And uh, That was rough. There was one woman who had a very shrieky voice and her sound was up way too high. So we decided to bail. And that was when we left and started recording the previous podcast in which we were telling you about Porto and the North. Uh, so if you could hear the sounds of, of folk music behind us, that was that famous folklore festival. Well, it was a pretty quiet night, and then the next day we were heading down to uh, to Faro, which was sadly our last destination in Portugal. I really enjoyed our time there. I think we need to spend more time in Portugal. Yeah, and uh, it does come highly, highly recommended. So we decided to travel by train to Faro, which I think was a very good decision after our terrible experience on the bus to Lisbon. And uh, yeah, so we got there... Actually, our couch sitting host was kind enough to drop us off. It was brilliant. Yeah, and the train driver was kind enough to get us into Faro about 25 minutes ahead of schedule. Yeah, we arrived so, so early. I don't know how that happened. Either I read the schedule completely wrong <laughs> or I don't know. Anyway, we arrived really early. And this time we were staying with Airbnb, which is like couch surfing, but you pay for it. Yeah, it's uh, it's somewhere between uh, community service like couch surfing, which is... Uh, currently still free and uh, we are meeting people and connecting with people and staying in a spare room or literally a couch in their house and then apartment rental sites which you get the whole apartment with airbnb you might just get a, a room in the apartment mm-hmm. uh, where other people are apartments. also living and so that's what uh, that's what happened to us this time yeah we were staying with a lovely couple who were from ukraine i think yeah and they were very friendly it was a different dynamic to with couch surfing because with couch surfing you're going there to be with your host and the accommodation obviously is part of it but you want to spend time with your host in this case it's a different dynamic you can spend time with your host and it's open to you but really you're there for the accommodation i felt it was kind of like having a roommate having a flatmate you know the people you, you live with you might hang out with them or you might not and in this case we didn't really hang out with them we had a lot of work to do we did a lot of tourism and well, they invited some friends over one night and they came and introduced them to us, but we didn't end up hanging out with them. It was just, it was nice, but quite a lot more reserved than, than couch surfing usually is. Mm, definitely, definitely. Well, after we had sorted ourselves out and uh, actually managed to send some emails to people for the first time in several days, yeah. we uh, headed out to explore. And the, well, I looked on TripAdvisor for things to do in Pharaoh and. The number one result wasn't leave, but uh, there, there just wasn't a lot. There was only about 16 listings for recommended activities. About half of them were tours of the surrounding area, and about half of them were small churches and museums mm-hmm. inside uh, the city centre itself. That's right. I think most people just spend one or maybe two nights in Faro before heading out to the rest of the Algarve to do golfing tours or, or holidays or just hang out on the beach. So it's not really a tourist destination at all. And we found it, I don't know, it was nice, but it didn't really endear itself to us. No, but we had three days there and we managed to, to fill 
each of them. Mm -hmm. But uh, I think if we had been there for five days or a week and... uh, we're not really the sort to go and hang out on the beach. There are some really nice beaches nearby. We could have gone and spent a few days out there, um, but that's not really our style. We like to, to be a lot more active and, mm. and go and do more stuff. And so, yeah, so aside from the beaches, we were kind of like, okay, where can we go and what can we do today? Mm. So some of the things that we really enjoyed um, were going to the cathedral, yeah, um, it was itself. Um, there was a three euro entrance fee, um, but you got the best view in the old town, I reckon, as you climbed up, first of all, up a pile of steps up to the uh, the top of the cathedral tower, where if you were very naughty, you could uh, ring the town bells. <laughs> um, we didn't do that, but one man who was up there with us did it several times and yeah. then ran away giggling. He actually giggled. It was hilarious. He must have been 50. And <laughs> yeah. a bit of a pot belly, and he was like, <laughs> <laughs> "Yep." And his uh, wife and another friend were just kind of shaking their heads and averting their eyes. And then one of his friends down in the square below started shouting up at him. And my Portuguese isn't very good, but I got the feeling he was going, "Oi, is that you doing that? You're an idiot." <laughs> well, it was very funny. So after the bell tower, you can go down and enter the cathedral itself. And it has lots of little alcoves that are all decorated in completely different styles. Very nice. And then there's a cathedral museum, which is quite small, but has a lot of interesting exhibits on display. Then outside, there's a tiny little altar that is created with human bones. Now, actually, the day before, we'd been to another bone chapel, which was in much better a much better state than the one in the cathedral. The one in the cathedral... I don't know, some idiot had gone around and smashed all the skulls in and had stolen bits of bone. And this was the case in the other bone church as well, which was uh, in the church of Carmel. Uh, You have to pay a one-year entrance fee to see that, and it's definitely worth it. I mean, we've been to the bone church in Kutnahora in the Czech Republic, which is quite spectacular and incredible. It doesn't compare with that, but it is definitely worth visiting. Yeah, it's... Yeah, I don't know what else to say. It's just such a such a strange thing that it is definitely worth visiting. Mm. It's not awe inspiring, or you know, I I wouldn't go. You must go to Pharaoh in order to see this. No, but if you're in Pharaoh, but, you should go to the church. Yeah, yeah. But for Kutnahora, like that's the only reason to go to the town. Yeah, is to go and see that. I wonder if we should go there um, again. Yeah, I don't know. If you've got advice for what we should do in Prague, it's coming up very, very soon. Um, but jump over to IndieTravelPodcast.com slash IndieRail and give your advice for that or any of the other destinations we've got coming up. It was really a full day trip, wasn't it? I don't think we have a full day spare. Yeah, no, it really did take the whole time. I guess if we did something um, like package tour and a coach or something, it would be mm. shorter, but... Yeah. yeah, but you can just get out there on the trains if you've got uh, got a, a day to spare, three quarters of a day to spare, yeah. then be back in Prague for dinner. And train travel in, in the Czech Republic is quite cheap, so it's mm. it's worthwhile. Well, wow, back to Pharaoh. Okay, <laughs> focus, woman, yes, yes, focus. Yes. Well, I think the thing that really stood out to me in Pharaoh was the lunch. The lunch. <laughs> the lunch. The lunch. We went out for lunch, and we just stopped into a place that seemed quite popular. There were quite a few people there, and... We had a choice between meat or fish. It was a menu Jaldea situation. We knew we were going to get salad and, you know, wine and, and coffee afterwards. So meat or fish. I chose meat. Craig chose, I chose fish and Craig chose meat. They brought out salad and bread and oil and olives and everything like that. And they brought out my fish, two fish, two entire fish. It was amazing. They weren't huge, but, you know, it was substantial. 
and they brought out Craig's platter with meat and rice and chips and a little garnish. Yeah, and by this time I had already taken half of the salad and half the potatoes, thinking that was the was side yours. for both of us, because it, there was significant was portions of both. Mm-hmm. And then my plate arrives with half a kilo of chips and a, you know, upended bowl of rice. It's true. So we started eating, and then the waitress came back with two more fish and two more slabs of meat. We just kind of were stunned. And that was before we even had our wine and our coffee and our enormous piece of cake. It was all delicious. And all for seven fifty. Seven euros fifty. Yeah. It was mad. And it was enough that when it came to eating dinner that night we had half a salad. (laughs) Half a salad, a little bit of cheese, I think. And leftover bread from the night before. We didn't even buy anything. It was that (laughs) sad. It was it was a big, big lunch. Um so yeah, uh, what else would you recommend? I reckon that museum we went into. The um, the Old Town Museum. It was more art gallery than museum, and uh, yeah, yeah, it's very it good. had a, um, a mosaic floor from the Roman times. There's an interesting little mm. exhibit about Muslim women, and yeah, just lots of interesting things. It was set in an old monastery, so you had the cloisters, and then all the rooms on the outside on two levels were the, the exhibition rooms. It was very well laid out, I enjoyed it. Yeah, that was good. That's uh, just in about a block behind the, uh, the cathedral uh, that we talked about before. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, these two things are inside the old walled city of Pharaoh, and it's a really interesting place in how it's set up because there's the walled city, which is then surrounded by a pedestrianized area, uh, which is more touristy, and it feels like it should be the old town because mm. you've got these narrow streets, they're pedestrianized, there's little cafes and shops and things like that but it actually isn't it kind of it's an area that links the old walled city mm-hmm. with the new kind of area. modern residential area and the bit in the middle they kind of well they had the port and then they just developed this pedestrianized um shopping area it's lovely though it's with really all cobbled neat. streets and the cobbles are arranged in beautiful designs and in fact, we saw a guy fixing an area of cobbles. It looked like really hard work. Yeah, it was crazy. And those cobbles are everywhere in Portugal. I think we talked about it uh, in the last podcast mm-hmm. that we did. But yeah, really interesting seeing him fix it. And just the amount of, like, pick up a rock. Will it fit? Nope. I'll hit it with my hammer. Will it fit? <laughs> nope. I'll hit it with my... Like, as he just tries to fit these blocks into place... And it just went to show how much manpower goes into to building these pavements. That's right. Well, um, one of the great recommendations we've had at IndieTravelPodcast.com slash IndieRail was while in Faro go to the National Park. And so that was pretty much all we knew of the National Park. Uh, but we later found out that it was called the, the Ria Formosa and stretches um, past three cities on the Algarve. It goes for 38 square miles. Mm -hmm. And And it's not a national park. It's not a national park. It's a nature park, I think it's called. It used to be a nature reserve, and now it's a nature park. I don't know what the difference is. I think it's a legal thing. But it's it's cool. It's not particularly beautiful, but it was full of amazing wildlife. And we learned all about salt pans. Indeed. And uh, I think we hit the nail on the head when we decided we had to go out there with a guide because, Mm. A, we 
we're going to struggle for transport to get there, and B, we know nothing about salt pans, marshlands, birds, fish, and so uh, we ended up going on a small tour with a company called um, Formosa Mar, um, playing off that Rio Formosa mm-hmm. and then Mar for Sea. And uh, we went out with uh, a guide called Barbara, who is a biologist by training and has been a tour guide for a long time. So she knew everything we didn't about the marine ecosystem and the bird life. She was absolutely brilliant. Uh, She gave us binoculars so we could look at different birds and she knew the names of all of them. She had a little book so she would show us different types. But what was the funniest for me was that we stopped in a little hide to look at some of the birds. She's like, ah, there it is, there it is, the one I wanted to show you. And she pointed out a pukeko. So it's a, well, it's actually a swamp hen, obviously. It's only a pukeko if it's in New Zealand. But it's one of our favorite birds. And we're looking at it going, that is a pukeko. Yeah. We and used to chase them off the lawn as they ate our, uh, ate our tomatoes. <laughs> and this is the kind of the most endangered, the, the most endemic, uh, most special kind of bird in iconic the area. bird of the Rio Formosa. Yeah. It's like that's so closely related to the thing I used to chase off my lawn. It's just not funny. Yeah, I know it's not exactly the same bird, but it was almost exactly the same. And so the others were like, wow, that looks so cool. You know, it's blue, it's got red legs and a beautiful red beak, and it's a really striking bird. We're like, it's a (laughs) pukeko. Linda and I burst out laughing. Um, And yeah, we also got to see carob, which grows Mm. on trees. I always knew it was kind of this chocolate replacement for people that were allergic to chocolate or couldn't uh, couldn't eat the sugar, but I just assumed it was some kind of synthetic chocolate replacement thing, but it actually grows on trees there in the Algarve, That's and right. so after seeing what a a pod of it looked like on the tree, um, we just had to go and find some in a cafe. That's right. So after lunch, we had lunch with two other people from our. From our tour. In fact, vegetarian lunch. We've had a very vegetarian week. It's been quite amusing. Uh, we well, after lunch with them, we went and found a carob cake, had a coffee, and it was delicious. Um, what else did we do? We did uh, a short uh, boat trip as well with the same company, Formosa mm-hmm. Mar, in one of the old kind of traditional dinghies or, or fishing boats. Um, there was a, a one-hour or two-hour version. The two-hour went out through the the salt marshes mm-hmm. of the um, the nature park, and then came back. Uh, the one hour tour that we did uh, took us out in that direction, but sooner rather than later we veered back in and then went along the waterfront and past the old city walls before docking again, um, quite near the train station and and the harbour. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was really nice. We're out in the water, kind of around sunset time. Not quite. It was a bit before sunset, but the, the sun was low in the sky. And it was yeah. Quite pretty. All the light was going pinkish, and yeah, that was nice. That was nice. Um, and well, that was pretty much it for Faro. Uh, yeah. The next day, we uh, caught a taxi out to the airport. Oh, we were so annoyed. We were flying with Ryanair, and they changed the time of the flight. I thought they're Ryanair. They have to do something. Oh, it was so bad. But if it had been half an hour later, we could have caught a bus. Anyway, we caught a taxi and it only cost like 12 euros, so that wasn't a big deal. And then we proceeded to have no problems at all. No problems. <laughs> we didn't have any problems and we got on the flight and it went well. Yeah. And the best thing was it arrived about 10 minutes late. So we didn't get that ding, 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 
We've arrived on time. Yeah, if you've ever flown Ryanair before and they've managed to arrive within about, I don't know, 10 minutes, 5 to 10 minutes of their scheduled time, which is always padded out because you always leave late, um, they play this annoying pre-recorded fanfare and clapping and whistles and announce how they're so happy to have helped you arrive on time. And everyone's just like, shut up, it should be normal. Um, So yeah, yeah, so we were were late enough that we didn't feel like we were late, but we were late enough that we didn't have to hear the recording. It was so good. It was magic. So good. I wonder if you can pay Ryanair more to arrive just late enough that you don't have to hear the recording. They should add that in. Yeah. Because I would consider paying an extra five (laughs) pounds to not have to hear that. Yeah, they just have so much. <laughs> Smokeless cigarettes and scratch cards and, oh, I don't know, all sorts of things that you can buy. So, yeah, that kind of service would be quite great. Yeah, well, you'll have to wait until next week to hear what we got up to in Germany. Um, we will talk a bit about Dusseldorf and also our time in Berlin. Both have been fantastic and we're having a whole lot of fun. Uh, what's coming up next? Um, Friday we leave for Prague, uh, where we're meeting up with a listener, Peter, who has promised us the best food in the world, but he's not going to prepare it. His mum's going to prepare awesome. it. We're going to so, go to his um, mum's house. <laughs> yep. So we're jumping on a train again as soon as we arrive and uh, heading out to his mum's village. And so I'm sure we'll have some some great foodie stories coming from that. Uh, We'll have a few days in Prague, then we're heading down to Vienna. I'm hoping to do something a little bit silly and go from Prague to Pilsen, which is where Pilsner beer comes from. Mm -hmm. I mean, can't get much better than that. And then uh, down to Linz, where we'll see a friend, and then over to Vienna. And the friend has promised us traditional Austrian food. All in one day. So, yeah. It's going to be intense. Yeah, I'm so, trying to find an easier way to do it, but no, I think we have to do it the way I've planned, which means leaving at 9 and arriving in Vienna at around 9. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's going to be one of those days, and but it's going to be awesome. that's the great thing awesome. about a Pass. You yeah. can do it. You can just think, well, I could go just from Prague to, to Vienna, which is about four or five hours, or... <laughs> I could do yeah. something different. Yeah, and you can tag together all of the cities that you want to spend a couple of hours in and not worry about the price because it's yeah. just one day We're on only the pass. Have one hour in Pilsen, though, son. I know, but that's still enough to find ourselves at least a couple of beers. Well, Maroni says that we can only find in bottles, so it's we might as well just go to the supermarket in Prague. And... <laughs> <laughs> yep, that'll be experiential. <laughs> well, we could go to the museum. And there's a one-hour tour. It's a self-guided Ooh. tour, so you can arrive at any time, and, and you get a beer at the end. And we can do it as fast as we need because it's self-guided, and we already understand the brewing process. Smart. So I have a plan. <laughs> Excellent. Well, we'll let you know how our plans go. <laughs> and in the meantime, please come to indietravelpodcast.com/indierail. Um, have a look at our sponsor offerings. There's ACP Rail offering train tickets around the world. I know that right now they're offering discounts on their uh, Australia Rail and Germany Rail passes. So if you're around those areas, maybe I'll put the discount codes up at IndieTravelPodcast.com slash IndieRail so you can check them out. 
Um, there's also Urban Adventures. Uh, we did a tour with them just yesterday What's here in Berlin. And uh, yeah, it really <laughs> was. And uh, that Food and Fado tour we did in Lisbon. And we've got a few more coming up. And also Drome, who are allowing us to, to keep in touch. So you can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash indie travel, twitter.com slash indie travel, or keep an eye out for the indie rail hashtag on Instagram, Twitter, anything you can hashtag. Uh, <laughs> that's what we're using. Um, so yeah, it's, it's all good. Well, that's us for this week. Until next week, travel well.